Okay, so today we'll continue with chapter nine of Deuteronomy, and uh, there are 29 verses, and we can split it uh, by looking at six uh, questions. Uh, the first one is, uh, who is greater, uh, God or our enemy, which you find in verse one to three. And in verses four to six, we can see why the Israelites were victorious. And in verse seven, we see what is one uh, persistent failure of Israelites uh, throughout their journeys. And in verses uh, eight to 13, and also 22 and 23, we see five examples uh, from history about the failure of Israelites. And in verse 14, we see uh, God making a surprising offer to Moses. And 15 through 29, uh, we see how Moses reacts uh, to the idol worship once the Ten Commandments are given and how he intercedes uh, for the people of Israel. So there are three important things that we can take away from this chapter. Uh, firstly, that uh, no matter what we are facing in life, uh, we see that God is uh, greater than all the circumstances, all the people, and all kinds of situations uh, that we face in life. And secondly, uh, we find in this chapter that sin has to be completely destroyed. Uh, just like Moses uh, destroyed the idol, we need to completely uh, destroy the sin. And thirdly, we need to have the heart of Moses that we find in this chapter uh, when he is uh, interceding for the people of Israel and also when he doesn't take the offer uh, that is given by God in verse 14. So we'll start with verses uh, 1 to 3, where we see that our enemy is great, uh, but God is greater. Okay, so this chapter begins on a positive note uh, with a call to Israel. So it says, hear, O Israel. And that is the same call that is also given to us as we are going through the book of uh, Deuteronomy. Uh, the Lord is constantly uh, reminding us. He's constantly calling us uh, to hear what he has to say and the commandments and the teachings uh, that he wants to give us. And oftentimes uh, that is also our prayer uh, as the prayer of Samuel in 1 Samuel 3.10. Uh, speak uh, for thy servant uh, heareth. So oftentimes we also have that longing that we want to hear the voice of God. Uh, we want to hear the counsel of God. We want to hear uh, the guidance of God. But oftentimes when God speaks, uh, we are not really listening. Our ears are already shut or they are hardened. Or even if we listen, uh, we are not really obeying what God is saying. And that has been the experience of Israelites as we see in this book. Uh, God is constantly telling them to hear, to open their ears and their heart, but they're not able to listen and follow through. So in verses 1 to 3, we see uh, the challenge uh, of the enemy that is before the people of Israel. And we are told that the enemy is greater and mightier, and they are cities that are great and fenced uh, up to heaven. And obviously, it's not going up to heaven, but a uh, picture is given to us that the city is uh, fortified and it is very hard to penetrate uh, that city uh, because, uh, because of the way it is structured. And we are also told about the giants, uh, which we, we were also reminded earlier. And we also read that in Numbers uh, 13 and 33. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Enoch, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. So when the people of Israel looked at themselves and compared them with the sons of Enoch, 
uh, they felt they were like grasshoppers, uh, relatively speaking. But obviously, that is not the way God pictured uh, the people of Israel. Uh, God pictured the people of Israel as someone uh, who can conquer uh, this great city, uh, even though they were mightier, uh, even though they were fortified, even though they were inhabited by giants. So God's uh, assurance that we read in verses 1 to 3 is that he will go before them uh, as a consuming fire. Uh, he will not only go before them uh, uh, to lead them uh, into that city, but he will also destroy the enemies and bring them down. So we see that God is uh, giving them a great uh, assurance uh, when they're facing the challenge of the enemy. And the same kind of assurance is given to us uh, when we face uh, situations uh, that may seem uh, very challenging, when we may feel that uh, people are like giants, uh, much more formidable and much more uh, threatening to us. But God's assurance is that he will go before us and he will destroy the enemies. And all that the Israelites uh, had to do uh, was to drive out the enemies and to destroy them uh, quickly. So we see that when God uh, goes before us, uh, he not only fights the battle for us, but we can also be assured that at the end, uh, we will have victory. So all that we have to do, uh, we have to simply believe uh, in the promise uh, that is given to us, and we need to follow the instructions uh, given by God, just like God told the people of Israel to go around the walls of Jericho. If that is the instruction that is given to us, then we simply have to believe and we have to follow. And we should not be uh, discouraged uh, by the circumstances. Uh, we should not be discouraged uh, by the giants uh, that we see and experience uh, in our life. So that's how this chapter begins, uh, with a great promise and a great uh, encouragement. And God is uh, telling the people of Israel to hear, uh, to listen, and also to believe in what he is saying. And the second uh, section, or the second question that we can consider, is why the people of Israel were uh, victorious, uh, as we read in verses 4 through 6. So here the Lord is making it clear in verses 4 through 6, uh, why the nation of Israel were victorious. And oftentimes, once we get the victory, we start taking the victory lap, and we start taking all the credit on, on our own. But here the Lord is making it clear that uh, it was not because of the righteousness of Israel, uh, but it was because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord was bringing punishment uh, on this nation. And it was also because uh, of the promise uh, that was made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we see that God is uh, a promise-keeping God, and he is keeping the promise that he had made to the forefathers. Uh, even though the people of Israel were not righteous, and as we later see, uh, that they were stiff-necked, didn't have faith, but God was keeping uh, his part of the agreement, and he was also bringing punishment on the wicked nation. So there was no reason for the people of Israel to be proud or to claim uh, that the victory was because of uh, anything that they did, but it was uh, completely the work of God from the beginning uh, till the end. And in verse 6, we see how God looks at the people of Israel. 
the Israelites thought they were righteous and upright, uh, but God uh, considered them to be stiff-necked or stubborn uh, people. And oftentimes when we are looking at our own life, uh, we might have a perception that we are righteous. Uh, we might have a perception that we are uh, good or we are doing great things, but we always have to look at our life uh, from the point of view of how God is uh, evaluating us. So that is why David says, uh, search me, O Lord, right? So we need to come to the Lord always and let the Lord uh, search our hearts. And if there is any wickedness in us, uh, we should ask for forgiveness and for cleansing uh, so that we can be right uh, in the eyes of God. So that is the only test uh, that really matters, uh, how God uh, sees us, not how we see ourselves or how people see us. Uh, we should be right uh, in the eyes of God. But we see that uh, even though they were unrighteous, even though they were stiff-necked or stubborn, uh, God uh, used them to bring about judgment or punishment uh, to the Canaanites. So we see that God can use uh, anyone to execute uh, his plans. And later on, we also see that God used uh, the Babylon, even though they were wicked, uh, to bring uh, judgment or to bring punishment on the people of Israel. And they were made captive uh, because of their behavior and because of their continuous uh, disobedience uh, and rebellion. And in verse uh, 7, we see uh, what is the one uh, persistent uh, failure of Israelites uh, as they were wandering through the wilderness. And what is one quality that we see in verse 7? Okay, so here Moses is identifying the time points uh, right from the beginning till this point. Uh, there is one quality that is uh, consistent and it is not a good quality. Uh, it is the uh, quality of uh, rebellion or disobedience or uh, not doing what the Lord is asking them to do. So that is a persistent uh, quality or a persistent uh, failure uh, in the life of the people of Israel. And in verses uh, 8 through 13, and also verses 22 and 23, uh, we read, uh, we are given five examples uh, of the history of rebellion uh, in the life of the people of Israel. Uh, so we can read uh, 8 through 13 first, uh, then 22 and 23, yeah. Okay, so much of it is like a history lesson. Uh, Moses is taking back uh, to some of the incidents that took place uh, to show that they were a stiff-necked and a rebellious people. Okay, so here we see the first uh, incidents or the first example of uh, rebellious nature uh, of the people of Israel. So we see a contrasting image. Uh, we see that Moses uh, is communing with the Lord and receiving uh, the Ten Commandments. But at the same time, uh, the people of Israel, uh, they are, they're made a molten image and they are worshiping an idol. So that is the first example that is given to us in verse 12, which is of idolatry. And when we go to uh, verses 22 and 23, okay, so we're not going to go back to each passage, but just to identify the five examples that are given. Uh, the first one is what we read, which is at Mount Sinai, where they created an uh, idol and worshiped. And in Tavera, which we find in Numbers uh, chapter 11, verses 1 to 3, uh, again, they were complaining, and that led to a fiery judgment uh, of God. And the third one is the one in Massa, where there was no water, and they were murmuring for because they were thirsty. 
And of course, the Lord provided for their needs. Uh, but again, they were rebellious and they did not have faith and they were complaining. And the fourth one uh, is the Kibrat Hatava, where they were longing for meat uh, instead of manna that was being supplied by the Lord. And we read about that in Numbers uh, chapter 11, 31 to 35. And Kadesh Baniya, which we read during the first part of Deuteronomy, uh, where they refused uh, to possess the land because they did not have faith uh, that they can conquer or they can penetrate the fortified city or whether they can slay the giants uh, that they saw uh, when they sent the spies uh, to look at the land. So Moses' uh, conclusion based on these five examples uh, is that they have been uh, rebellious uh, against the Lord uh, from the day that I knew you. So we know that Moses must have been a very patient man uh, because he put up with all these people and they were repeatedly going against the Lord. They were repeatedly being rebellious and disobedient and stubborn. Uh, so that was their failure. And when we read the several verses uh, in this chapter nine, uh, we see the nature of Israelites, uh, which is very uh, negative, so to speak. So we see that they are proud in verse four. Uh, we see that they are stiff-necked or stubborn in verses 6, 13, and 27. And in verse 7 and 23, 24, we see that they are rebellious. In verse 12, they are corrupt. Verse 16, they are simple. Verse 18, they are evil. And verse 23, they are unbelieving. And in verse 8 and 18, it says they provoked uh, God to anger. And verse 12 and 16 that we read, uh, it speaks about idolatry or making uh, graven images. And in verse uh, 27, we read that they are wicked. So we see that uh, all of these are qualities or characteristics of Israelites uh, that we see. And all of that is captured in chapter 9. And Moses gives us some examples to uh, justify these qualities. So in the next part, we'll see how God reacts uh, to Israelites and how Moses reacts uh, to the situation. And in verse 14, we see God makes uh, a surprising offer uh, to Moses. So in the verses before that, we saw that uh, when Moses came down from the mount, uh, they had made an idol and they were dancing uh, around the idol. And in response to that, we see that God makes a surprising offer to Moses. So the offer that the Lord makes is that in verse 14, uh, let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under the heaven. So even though they were the chosen generation, uh, we see that God is uh, very upset. He is very angry. And he's saying that I will destroy them and I will blot them, blot out their name from under heaven. And the second part is even more surprising where it says, I will make of thee a nation uh, mightier and greater than they. So essentially God is telling Moses that I'm going to wipe out the entire uh, race of Israel and I'm going to start fresh. I will make you uh, the head. And from that point on, I will rebuild and make a nation that is mightier and greater uh, under Moses. So this seems like a very surprising and also a great offer uh, that is made to Moses 
But we see that Moses uh, doesn't take this offer, which is also surprising, maybe surprising to us. Uh, if that offer was made to us, uh, we might have taken it. Uh, in our greed, Moses dressed very differently. So we see Moses, uh, we saw God's reaction in verse 14. And in verses 15 through 29, uh, we see uh, Moses' uh, reaction. In verses 15 through 17, uh, we see that Moses uh, is very angry. Uh, when he sees the people worshiping and dancing uh, in front of the idol. So we can read 15 through 17. Yeah, so here we see that uh, even though Moses uh, is very patient, but at this point we see that he kind of loses it. Uh, he gets very uh, angry at what he sees. Uh, it could be something like a righteous uh, anger, and he breaks uh, the tables of stone, uh, which were handwritten by God or it says, written with the finger of God in verse 10 and also in Exodus 20. So it could be in anger, it could be in shock, or it could be in sadness that the people of Israel have turned around uh, so quickly uh, after saying that they're going to obey uh, everything that the Lord told them. Or it could be simply uh, his frustration with the people of Israel uh, that he's upset and breaks the original tables of stone. So that is the first uh, reaction that Moses has. That is the instant uh, reaction when he sees uh, what they were doing. But we also see the second side of Moses, uh, which reveals the heart of Moses. So we saw that God made him an offer that he's going to wipe out the nation of Israel and build a new nation under him. But Moses uh, did not take that offer. Instead, what we read in 18 through 21 and later is that Moses uh, stands in the gap and he intercedes uh, for the people of Israel so that they could be saved. So we'll read 18 through 21 first. Okay, so here we see that Moses had already fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights when he was uh, with the Lord and receiving the Ten Commandments. And when he comes back and sees that the people are sinning, we see that he falls uh, prostrate again and he fasts and prays for 40 days and 40 nights. So he does that uh, in order to avoid uh, God's anger and God's destruction on the people of Israel and also on Aaron. So we see the heart of Moses that he is, uh, even though he's angry and he's upset, but at the same time, he has a soft corner for the people of Israel. Uh, he doesn't want them to be destroyed or be uh, in the path of judgment uh, of the Lord. And verse 21 uh, is important. Uh, it speaks about the complete uh, destruction of sin. And verse 21 says, I took your sin. Uh, in this case, the sin was the image uh, that they made. And it says, I burnt it with fire and stamped it and ground it very small, uh, even until it was as small as dust. So, uh, so the picture is given to us that the sin that they had created uh, with their hands uh, was completely destroyed. It was made as small as a dust. And after that, it was cast into the brook so that it flows out of the mount. And so that's a good picture for us uh, of what we should do with any sin that is in our life. Uh, it must be completely destroyed and it must be completely taken out of the system, uh, even as Moses is putting it in the water and sending it out of the mountain. And God does listen to Moses, as we read in verse 19, and also in the next chapter. And in verses uh, 26 to 29, we see the uh, intercessory prayer of Moses on behalf 
of the people of Israel. Okay, so uh, we find it very strange that the same person who was so upset uh, with the people of Israel that he all even broke the tables or the Ten Commandments, uh, the same person uh, is interceding very sincerely before God uh, so that uh, they could be saved uh, from the judgment and the punishment of God. So, so we saw that the prayer was accompanied by fasting for 40 days, uh, even though he had already fasted for 40 days. So that would be 80 days, that is fasting and praying. So fasting and prayer by itself, uh, it shows uh, our humility. Uh, it also shows our reverence uh, for God. Uh, it shows our faith in God that when we are fasting and praying that God is going to hear our prayers. And it also shows uh, perseverance because you're doing it for 40 days and 40 nights. And when we are fasting and praying, uh, we are praying with a purpose. Uh, we are praying with something uh, that we have uh, in our mind uh, for which uh, we are seeking God's answer or we are seeking God's uh, intervention. So in verses uh, 26 and 27, uh, we see the request that Moses makes that uh, God may not uh, destroy the people and the inheritance. And at the same time, he's uh, asking the Lord uh, to forgive the people uh, for their stubbornness, uh, for their wickedness, and for their sin. So here again, we see the heart of Moses, uh, that he's really pleading uh, for the people of Israel that he's leading that they should not be destroyed, and also that the Lord should be merciful and forgive them. And the basis uh, for the intercessory prayer that we read in verse uh, 26 to 29 uh, is that he says, uh, Israelites are God's people and inheritance, and they are the chosen people, so they should not be destroyed. Uh, they should be preserved. And God redeemed them from Egypt uh, with his mighty power. And uh, since he delivered them, uh, there is no reason for God to destroy them at this point. Uh, they should be able to experience uh, the purpose uh, for which uh, they were redeemed. And the third argument that he uses uh, is the legacy of the forefathers, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So even though uh, this generation is uh, stiff-necked and they are corrupt, but the Lord should have mercy on them uh, because of the forefathers, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And fourthly, he reminds uh, God of the covenant that he made uh, with the forefathers of bringing uh, Israelites uh, to the promised land. And fifthly, uh, let not the heathen mock at Israelites. So the heathen should not say that God who promised uh, that they, he would bring them to the promised land uh, destroyed them before bringing them to promised land or God did not uh, keep his promise. Or So all of the arguments that he uses are based, uh, are pleading for God's mercy. Uh, he doesn't mention the righteousness or the goodness of Israelites, because obviously that did not exist. Uh, he could not have prayed that Israelites are good, so he should have mercy, or Israelites have a good history, so he should have mercy on the people of Israel. Uh, when we look at Moses' uh, reaction uh, to the rebellion by the people of Israel, uh, it reveals the heart of Moses. Uh, it reveals uh, the character of Moses. So in the intercessory prayer and in the way Moses reacts uh, to the situation, uh, it shows uh, his patience. Uh, it shows his spirit of forgiveness. Uh, it shows his heart of a father. Uh, even though uh, they were not doing the right things, uh, he still had the heart of a father uh, to be merciful, that they should return to God.
and his focus was on restoring the Israelites, uh, not but not to condemn them for their sins. So oftentimes when people make mistakes, uh, we tend to condemn them. But here we see that the focus of Moses was on restoring them and not on condemning them. And finally, we see his humility and contentment uh, because uh, he did not grab the offer that was made by God uh, to start a new nation under him. So that is a few things that we learn in chapter 9. Uh, who is greater? We see that God is greater than our enemy. God is greater than any circumstances or any situations uh, that we may face in our life. So we should not be discouraged. Uh, we should not be anxious. And secondly, we saw why the people of Israel, they were victorious. Uh, they were victorious uh, because uh, God wanted to punish uh, the nation of uh, the Canaanites because of their sin and also because of the promise that was made to the forefathers. So the victory was not based on the righteousness of people of Israel, but rather based on the sins of Canaanites and the promise that was made. And we saw the persistent uh, failure of Israelites. Uh, they were always uh, rebellious. They always uh, seemed to lack faith. Uh, they always uh, seemed to be stiff-necked or stubborn. Then we saw five examples in history of how the people of Israel were stiff-necked or rebellious. And in verse 14, we saw God's surprising offer to the people Moses that uh, he would destroy the nation of Israel and start fresh with Moses as the lead. And in verse 15 through 29, which is where we ended, we saw that Moses was uh, initially angry to the idol worship. But we see that he quickly turned around and he interceded for them so that they could be saved uh, from the anger and the judgment of God.